Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark. I'm at Thought Bubble, and I'm here with Simon Bellman. Welcome back. Hello. Finally back on the podcast. You did quite a few in the first hundred, including Dan, episode Dan. hundred, which was yeah. uh, you did number one and a number hundred, yeah. um, which was in the attic of Dare, of course. Yeah. But we've not been back since. For, you know, we've been. Both of us have been busy elsewhere, haven't we? You've progressed well, and congratulations. For oh, thank you. <laughs> st- you know, this volume of work. So we've got a British comic to talk about. We've both got a hardback book in front of us today. Mm. But before we do that, obviously, we've just finished the Saturday at Thought Bubble. Uh, how was it? What did you think of the uh, the first day? Good. It's been good fun. Um, very busy. Yep. And some interesting, many more interesting things to see this year. It was good to see um, DC Thompson from Dundee down uh, with the contingent uh, selling their Commando and their new Spellbind um, book. Plus, um, they're releasing once a month on Comixology, a digital issue from the past. So that's good to see. It was good to see the Rebellion team back. Yeah. And Ian Kennedy's family were up um, celebrating his life and his work because uh, up here at Thought Bubble there's an exhibition started Friday, the, the launch was yesterday at the Mercer Art Gallery just across the road and that's running for three months um, every day except Mondays I think it is and there's a lovely set of art there and we got the extra bonus of the um, Northern Monk special beer right. on in the cans with the Ian Kennedy wraparound cover from Prog 9... I think it was 1,960-something. Right. Yeah. Okay. The Christmas issue. Yeah, I remember it. Mm. And we actually... We'll do those in reverse, reverse order. So the Mercer Gallery here in Harrogate, as you say, you were at the opening last night because yes. I saw the pictures. Yeah. Um, and that is fantastic. Yeah, there's a down-the-tubes uh, right up. Right. Already up there. So that's a wonderfully in Kennedy exhibition. Then, of course, as you say, Neil Kennedy, Ian's son, was here at Thought Bubble yeah. today. And one of his grandsons. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And they're selling prints and then yeah. last bits and pieces yeah. of his original art. Yes. Uh, you got, of course... A Mekon. A Mekon, <laughs> of course. An Ian Kennedy Mekon, which I can see over there and is just fabulous. Thank you. Um, and then... We had that great row in that area in Thought Bubble because, as you say, there was Neil Kennedy, then there was DC Thompson, who'd really yeah. come out in force. Yeah. And I have to thank you because you tipped me off that they had a limited hard print run of... Spellbinder. Sp- Spellbound, is it? Yeah, Spellbound, Spellbound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is a, a book which contains reprints from the a DC Thompson magazine from the 70s and then Anna, I always forget. over. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's done. She did a, a story with um, one of the editorial ladies, um, and there's another new new strip as well, and they are nestled in the package. Right. Yeah. And then of course next them um, 2018 Rebellion were back. Yeah. Um, selling lots of books. They had signings with Piper and Jerry yeah. Finley Day. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great stuff. It's great to see them back. And I think... And there was also Tom Foster was sitting Tom next Tom Foster was right there. next there as well. Yeah. It was a real sort of British comics row yeah. there, wasn't there? Yeah. It was a great area. 
And um, yeah, I think the crowds are back at Thought Bubble mm. as well. You know, the people who perhaps stayed away last year because of COVID concerns. It was busy today, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent stuff. So that's Thought Bubble. Um, and nice to see the British comics people back and representing as well. So great Certainly. stuff. Now, we've got a British comic in front of us. We sort of we called an audible about a week ago and decided, as we were both going to be at Thought Bubble, we'd find something to talk about. Tell and, we, us, and we both uh, jumped to the same idea. We both got the same idea, yeah. yes. Tell us what the book is that you've chosen to come on the podcast with. The, the book is called Dr. Mesmer's Revenge, which some people may have seen. Uh, we both picked up the web shop uh, special edition so there's it's got a unique cover with an embossed um, picture uh, from I think you said page 19 they've taken one yes. of the frames and they've made it there's a white uh, skeleton with the Dr. Mesmer's um, friend who's the subject of the book yep. and then on the back there's a great panel and it's a, it's a lovely hard work book you know uh, Treasury of British Comics should be very proud of this book Lovely. So this is from Rebellion and the Treasury of British Comics in 2019. Yeah. As you say, you and I both went for the web store hardback version, yep. uh, which is no longer available, but it is available in paperback and digital. Yep. Uh, collect stories that first appeared in Lion and Thunder comic from October 71 to October 72, but there's also two annual stories yes. at the back from Lion Annual 73 and Lion Annual 74. Mm. All written by Don Avenel, that's Don, D-O-N-N-E, with art by Carlos Cruz, who we're going to be talking about in a moment. I think the editor at the time was Bernard Smith, from what I can find out. And if you want to buy it, it's currently on special offer at $8.99 wow. uh, for the paperback, although the full price is $14.99 and it's $9.99 digital. So... um, before you tell us the story or give us the sort of like outline of the setup for Dr. Mesner, I mean, when did you first come across these stories? Was it in this collection? Yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that it was. I saw the, the image on the, the web shop, and yeah. I do like Carlos Cruz's art. So I know the artist, but I've never heard it. I, I do not know Don Avena, Avenel. Yeah. 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 I do not know. Any of the uh, the writers, apart from people like Tom Tully and Jerry right. Finley Day, who worked on 2008, I was just not aware of this particular writer. So you're familiar with Carlos Cruz, and you're yeah. going to tell me a little bit about some of his other stuff, um, later. stuff later. I mean, so let's let's do the setup. What is the story of Doctor Mesmer's Revenge? So the story is that there is this, um, I suppose, scientist who, or you know, Egyptologist who has a very wacky house in the street, which is shaped like a pyramid with um, cats that can do laser beams. And he has a crypt with a mummy called, is it Ansgar? Uh, uh, Angor. Yeah. yeah. He, and he's got this mummy and he does some jiggery-pokery and it brings it to life. And this uh, this mummy progressively gets more and more powers so it can do things like walk through walls and... You know, do do beams out of its hands that reanimate other mummies, and you know, bring to life uh, wooden, you know, Egyptian sculptures and all sorts of things. Drive a chariot through the sky. Yeah, it's um, um, I think Chris Wright said, I can use bat, 
SH1T <laughs> story. Yeah. Brilliant art. And they, he summed it up completely and utterly perfectly. It's a story. It's one of these two pages a week. And, it, and the pace is relentless, let's yes. say. Yeah. Every, every, and every page is a perfect page. You know, you ask for a grail page and you, you can pick so many of them. It's just beautifully laid out, and the story just gets madder and madder and madder as you go. Yeah. And as you say, so it's black and white. Yep. It's two pages a week. Yep. Um, initially, Dr. Mesmer is sending the mummy to retrieve some Egyptian artifacts yep. that have been stolen Dolan. from him. As mm. the book progresses, Don Avenel has to sort of expand the, the story yeah, yeah. and the universe so it starts off with uh, there's a um, a police officer who spots something and first of all he gets you know um, they, there's the trick of the he he confronts Dr. Mesmer and the coffin with them is empty and then two seconds later when his boss is there the coffin is full with the mummy so the mummy is moving around and then Eventually, his boss, the chief, the inspector, comes on board after um, Doctor Mesmer and the mummy are es- escaping over the over the houses in this uh, chariot that doesn't have any horses. It just flies, yeah. it bangs into the police car, and that's enough to persuade the boss. So then they, um, you have a story where progressively they chase down Mesmer and his his mummy and the house. Um, more and more people become aware of what Dr. Mesmer has done. And eventually his house gets burnt down by the, the crowd. So he, he then, the second story, he transfers to a back of a truck. So the, he has the mummy, you know, shrine to the mummy in the back of the truck. And they go around chasing down uh, this fence who had stolen various uh, items from Mesmer's house. Um, and in, that gives us the opportunity to have a scene with Mummy in a Mummy film set, beautifully done. Previously, um, in the early parts of the story, there's a scene where the Mummy turns up at a cinema. Somebody turns on this film, and it happens to be a Mummy film. Showing, yeah, them, showing yeah, a film about yeah. the Mummy. Yes. And the Mummy can walk through walls at this point. Then, um, after we have a few episodes of them trying to find... Um, these piece, you know, Doctor Mesmer tries to get uh, you know all the stuff back. Uh, the, then the story trans, they they run a spell and they go back to ancient Egypt to meet the the Angor pre-death. Yeah. So this uh, Pharaoh Angor um, um, does a pact with the devil or you know some spirits and then gets taken down and then uh, then you get a combination of Mesmer. Uh, the police officers and a posse of pharaohs being brought back to the present day at uh, Paco's motorway calf. And and the story just goes on and on and on like that. Mad. Yeah. So brilliantly. It's a mummy story. Yeah. And in obviously in the 1950s, on both sides of the Atlantic, there was a moral panic about mm. horror comics. And so horror comics went away for about 10 or 20 years. And then in the 70s, they start to come back. The Comics Code relaxes in America, and you get all those Bronze Age mm. Marvel horrors. And here, I think in the 70s, you started to see some horror comics like The Mummy. And it's slightly, I find it interesting because most British kids at the time 
would not have been able to see films about mummies, as it were, but they would have been aware of them, I think. It was just like aware that this idea was scary. And here is a comic where they basically do mummy adventures. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I just wondered if it was, you know, part of that renewed interest in horror comics and horror itself coming back in the 70s. Because um, I, I was checking the dates as I put in our notes. It's a, this is a few years before the Hammer horror films start turning up on British TV. Oh, OK. Yeah, when they would do those Friday night double bills. Yeah, I remember yeah. those when... Yeah. ...from a certain... being of a certain age. OK, let's talk about Don Avenel briefly. Um, mm. 1925 to 1996, was a writer before World War II, goes off to serve in the Navy, okay. comes back to write again after mm. the war. Um, I've got down that he would write some uh, The Spider, yep. some Adam Eterno. Yep. He even wrote some of that famous comic strip, the Nigerian comic strip Power, Power Man. Man. Of Dave Gibbons and Brian Bolland, early fame. And we know, everybody knows, you know, Bolland and Gibbons sort of cut their teeth yeah. on Power Man, Man yeah. yeah. Um, how do you think he manages the two-page a week with the sort of, you know, you've got to resolve last week, do yeah. a little bit, yeah. and then set up another cliffhanger? And I think it does it very well. It doesn't feel like a... Um, you know, like an RC, you know, whatever they called those serials, the yeah. thingy of the Rocket Man and the, wet, the yes. Saturday morning yeah, yeah. serials. Yeah. It doesn't feel so fake. No, you know, some 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 stories where they try and do that, you always have such a big cliffhanger. But but the, the story almost it it progresses from one episode to another rather than big cliffhangers, uh, and it just progressively follows. It's he he certainly plotted out a couple of. Um, plot lines and he gets to where he wants to get to Mm. but uh, yeah you don't get such a big cliffhanger right yeah I would say yeah I think he does a pretty good job I mean Mm. it is you know there's a certain amount of repetition earlier on and when he just I think at some point he obviously realised that this was quite successful Mm. and he decided to widen the broaden the canvas a bit yeah because uh, the dr mesmer goes back in time and then and then he has a base underneath the the thames and he you know takes on the whole of london and has this powder that that basically um freezes everyone right and he he decides to take revenge on the whole world including uh, the the royal family and the governor he towards the end of the story he tries to do you know take take everyone out yeah yeah um so that's fantastic let's turn to carlos cruz yeah uh, who i know a bit more about 1930 to 2018 spanish artist yeah. worked in spain worked in argentina then went back in spain mm. and then of course he forms a relationship um, both with DC Thompson and with IPC, I think. Yeah. Uh, because you know him from some of his other works, don't yes. you? So I, I know him from Warlord comic. Right. Which um, I, um, you know, I minister the Facebook group of. And he was, uh, he did the first front cover of Warlords issue one has a character called Union Jack Jackson that I, uh, DC Thompson had brought back from I think it was in the Hotspur in the 50s as a, a, a written script one of these, these things where you had a picture and then a written story and so Union Jack Jackson the first um, story was done by Carlos Cruz but Carlos also did a really good um, story that was called The Sniper a beautiful artwork 
about uh, I think it was a German sp- sniper, and um, that got re- reissued as a red, one of the Red Dagger um, books that Thompson's did late seventies, early eighties, which were almost a forerunner of graphic novels because they were sixty-four pages, and what they did was they packaged up a whole story with a new cover, often by Ian Kennedy. Um, and what was interesting, I think um, I think it was Jeremy Biggs on Down the Tube did a, an article where he, or it was one of the other chaps from Down the Tubes, I apologise, um, where they showed the original comic and then the Red Dagger, so the, you could see that they'd bodged in extra art at right. the bottom of the pages. Oh, so, so, so Carlos did quite a bit for the early time in um, in Warlord. Um, great story, Union Jack Jackson. You know, a British guy joins a US fighting force and he has his little uh, Union Jack on the front of his helmet. And brilliant artwork, covered, you know, which lasted all the way through Warlord until they started reprinting it. You know, he did mostly Pacific War, but he, he managed to, I think, fight his way through to Germany into the Hitler's bunker. And then, as a crazy thing that they do in comics, there's a series that I spotted recently uh, where he went to the Vietnam, uh, North Korea War, the oh, Korea okay. War, and he just happens to be walking across the ba- the road, and he b- bumps into his old buddies. Of course he does. Yeah. And Gordon Tate actually just gave me a Union Jack Jackson comic today. Um, um, so yeah. which, uh, it was a special edition from Commando, where they, um, a couple of years back, they... Um, did Codename Warlord, which was from Warlord comic, and they did uh, a couple of new um, issues of Union Jack Jackson. I think the one you have is almost like an origin story. Yes, apparently, yeah. 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 And you've got it signed, haven't you? Got it signed by a writer and by Tom Foster, who's done the cover, yes. yes. Um, and I didn't know Carlos Cruz did the, first, the cover for the first issue yeah, of Warlord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's okay. a really dynamic... Union Jack Jackson running towards, yeah, yes. yes. And that's Carlos Cruz. Ah, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I know he also did, he did some work on a sort of uh, a toy line comic, Mask. Yeah. But of course he also did some Dan Dare for yeah. the New Eagle, so yes. I presume you're familiar with that. Yeah, so he, I think, picked up after Ian Kennedy stopped right. working on it. So it was once they, the comic went back into not such a good paper. But yeah, he did quite a long run on the New Eagle. Um, also got he did some fill-in work on um, Steel Claw so um, Rebellion and their um, treasury line are doing um, reprinting these digest books which were called the Super Stupendous series uh, books there were 26 issues uh, two a month and one issue would be Steel Claw and one issue was um, a spider story Right. And Carlos did one of the one of those, and also I think he filled in for um, uh, what was the Blasco on Steel Claw a few times, and I've got a page of that at home. Yes, you said you've got a you've got a Carlos Cruz page, yeah, yeah. and it's from the Steel Claw, yeah. So wow. it's a really obscure. You'll have to send me. You'll have to send me an image that I can yeah. share on the socials yeah. when this episode comes out. Um, so here he is, presumably still in Spain with mm. this artwork flying backwards and forwards yeah. across the channel to Croydon or wherever they were, yeah. you know, yeah. um, two pages a week, black and white. Tell us about the artwork a little bit. What do you make of it in this collection? Um, 
I, I like it. Uh, but then I like uh, Colossus work, you know, heavy inks and very distinctive Carlos Cruz characters. He, he, he's another one of these artists who has a very distinctive style yep. yeah, of uh, facial image. And uh, Dr. Mesmer is, is quite funnily done uh, with big, uh, big forehead, big nose, big chin. And he does caricatures quite a lot. Yeah. And um, I'm just looking at page 47 and, he, you know, he does the mummy. You know, that's pretty much run-of-the-mill stuff. But, um, you know, it's the com- there's a comedy element. Like the mummy goes, there's a couple of doctors. Mummy comes into the hospital and then goes and lies on the operating table. And it's just the doctors get a shock when he gets up. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because of course somebody covered in bandages might be a good a hospital yeah. might be a good place to hide. Yeah. Um, and he, it's, uh, sorry. No, I was going to say he's he's one of the European artists who clearly, like others we've seen in British comics of mm. this period, they never turned in a bad page, no. did they? Every single page is a, a stunner. Yeah, it's amazing actually. You know the quality of the work that they weren't just just churning this stuff out two pages a week mm. each page is as you say a work of art in itself mm. um, worth a collection he, yeah he does you know he does interesting things with the panel layout yeah he's great on atmosphere he's, mm. it is it is slightly universal and hammer horror in, in mm. terms of its design that it's you know it's gothic houses and dark scenes and certain caricatured mm. police officers and locals who are frightened by the mummy and of course the mummy itself um, Angor himself you know displayed with all these bandages and so on but also nice nice little turns where as you say the mummy can walk through walls yeah. and Carlos Cruz depicts that in a sort mm. of um, it's almost like cinematic yes yeah. very cinematic and also the, the structure of the page they, they do he breaks up the panels and the panels are different sizes and to tell the story like I'm looking at now page 35 and there's a big um, Egyptian um, sculpture in the middle that breaks the storyline up but it is quite sequential in terms of left to right left to right left to right it's not that sort of you have to move around and stuff but yeah and um, it's just implacably um, executed there are I did spot in the book a couple of pages that I think were done by another artist oh right yeah towards the end um, and I was wondering if it was maybe a Robin Smith okay but um, I I can't find the the page if I do find it when I'm flicking through but yeah there was just one or two pages that it looked like maybe Mr. Cruz was on holiday or something couldn't fill in oh okay because of course you know we didn't get credits on uh comic pages from in British comics back then no so it's difficult so there may have been a couple of fill-in artists but yeah. Carlos Cruz there's a lot of ink on the page yeah. it is all very sort of you know it's deliberately when I say it's dark it's because it's a lot of stuff happens yeah. at night in dark creepy mansions and so on um, and I'm it's just it's got that feel of um, like newspaper strips yes like, I do like Modesty Blaze from the the day that was it in the express and you're a big uh, yeah. modesty blaze fan aren't you yeah yeah and it's just the style is very good yeah i mean i just think it's wonderful i think it's wonderful artwork each page is a poem as it were is yeah a bit of, is a bit of art in itself oh, yeah and uh, if you look at page look at page um 57 
and just spot the, 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 the artist slightly different. Yes. Yes. And uh, it was just two episodes to 60. Oh, okay. Yeah, and look at the style. If you look at page 60, that is uh, very quite different because you've got the two artists on left and right side of the yeah. page. You've got Colors Cruise on the right and this mysterious... Somebody else. Uh, yeah, and I, that's why I was wondering if it was um, an early Robin Smith, oh, you know, okay. 2000 AD's art editor, because it's got that kind of... You know, bo- was it Boogeyman that he... You know, the story about the Scottish uh, hero. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. That um, John Wagner and Robin Smith and I think Alan Grant did. But it's this 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 picture here. Oh, okay. The inspector. It, I left it. Yeah, it's just odd. And the, the mummy, a couple of frames down, is quite different to the all yes, the others. that is a fill-in artist, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And shout out to Rebellion for two things. Firstly, for putting page numbers on here, yeah. which is very helpful. But also... The information. The information. But also for the Robin Smith covers collections they've been putting out yeah. as free floppies at the magazine, mm. which are astonishing because all of those great covers that we thought were created by our favourite creators... Robin had come up with Robin, the design. Robin had come up with the design and would lay them out pretty much in in almost like in the style or uh, you know of the the artist who it was mm. going to be handed to. It's astonishing. It was an absolute revelation, wasn't it? Yeah. Cuz um what was it the it, was it Doug Church who used to was the first kind of uh, art guru. Yes. And um and if you once bumped into Pat Mills and I asked him about the amazing um art in invasion in the first episode and he said that that was doug church's right. laying it out so yeah. you know it's a very different um jesus blasco to things like the steel claw just layout and you know sometimes these these art editors are, are the unsung heroes well like kev o'neill was an art editor wasn't he and of course we're recording this in the week that kevin o'neill has sadly yeah. passed away at the age of 69 and there'll be an episode about him coming up, hopefully not too long in the future. But yeah, I mean, these behind-the-scenes are bodgers, as Kev O'Neill used to describe it himself, but actually astonishingly talented people mm. doing layouts, doing title designs, doing, like, you know, design concepts of covers for 2000 AD. 2000 AD owes these people an enormous sort of debt, really, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, you because know. some of these covers are, have been amazing yeah. over the years. How is he, Carlos Cruz, when he gets to Dandere? Because I confess I've not seen any of his Dandere work. It's um, quite similar to this this right. work. It's tight. You know, the characters, the ancillary characters always look pretty much... People have a kind of house style, like Ian yeah. Kennedy has a house style of, you know, general character. And Carlos Cruz would, would draw the other characters. And, of course, he did a bit of... You know, had to put the eyebrows on Dandere, you know, slightly changed it. But, um, you know, the, the ancillary things and similar sort of style to this this art here. Yeah. But with colour sometimes in the Dandere. Now, obviously, the 2000 AD Dandere is collected. You, you did the yeah. first, first volume on the very first episode of this yeah. podcast. Of course, one of the holy grails in terms of collected British comics mm. would be the 80s New Eagle yeah. stuff. Pat Mills, Ian yeah. Kennedy, and Carlos Cruz. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that's mired in rights issues and the Dandere Corporation and so on. 
But hopefully, at one point, yeah, we will get that. You know, it would be nice, uh, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, some of the some of the artwork and the reproduction was so amazing. Yeah, when when the, the new nice eagle paper. was on uh, was on decent paper. Yeah, it was there were some really really beautiful pages. Okay, so if we turn back to Carlos Cruz, yeah, two pages a week, black and white. As you say, there's a couple of fill-in pages in there by the looks of it. Um, let's play Grail pages. Now, you've got yeah. a Carlos Cruz page from the Steel Claw. Yep. Um, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> what about if we gave you pages from this? And I confess, I didn't get a chance to look up and see if there are any of these pages in, in the wild, as it were. I've never the... seen them. No. Um, we know what was happening to comic artwork at this time. Um, what would what would your choices be? So I really liked. Um, I picked uh, page forty seven, which is a, a page with the the mummy on the, because of its comedy. Yeah. You know, because uh, the mummy happens to walk into the hospital. The doctor's about to do uh, surgery, and the mummy sneaks in. You know, like a, in a carry on sort of style joke uh, into the onto the 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 hospital bed and and just the detail in the picture you know I'm looking at it and the 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 be, the hospital has a light it's a pump up uh, you know he must have had you know lots and lots of material as reference to do this and there's bottles for anesthetism and stuff and the doctor's just completely oblivious and then gets a slight um slight shock He's covered all over in bandages like an Egyptian mummy. But, oh, says the girl. It's fantastic. And then they all go, eek, and run out the door. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, it's like a hospital reveal. Dr. Mesmer has told the mummy to lie in wait, so he literally lies on the operating table. <laughs> Very um, bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, fantastic. Any other pages grab your attention? The There's some really good pictures of um, a film studio with the kind of... Uh, slightly um, um, portly uh, film director with his sunglasses on page 40 uh, and all sorts of Egyptian stuff being prepared and then things are going to go wrong when the when the um, the cat talisman t- goes becomes alive and, and wakes the mummy up and all sorts of silly things but so, it's just the detail in there, you know, all the side characters, um, you know, this scene of the director and runner and all that sort of stuff. He's put an amazing amount of detail yeah, yeah. in the film set, doesn't yeah, he, uh, Carlos exactly. Cruz? And then above it, we've got the mummy with its his sort of uh, electrical zapping powers, yeah. zapping a... Um, poor chap. A poor chap, a sort of very stereotypical British comics working yeah. class chap with his flat cap yeah. and his scarf, um, who's getting um, fizzed by yeah. the angle. And that's a beautiful panel. And then, as yeah. you say, on the next page, page 41... We've got the cat statue as well. Um, they're just marvellous compositions, all mm. of these pages. Um, I was taken by page 19, which is the, the, the mummy and the animated skeleton. Yeah. And it's actually, as you say, it's the image that was sort of sampled and put mm. on the cover of the, the lovely hardback that you and I have both got. Um, and again, it's got the title on it, although I notice. The title logo changes in the mm. second half of the book. Yeah. But it's got the early title on it, 
Uh, it's got a, a sort of strap line on the top of the comic page, the eerie fight between a skeleton and a 5,000-year-old mummy. It's got lots of heavy inks on the page. It's just beautiful. Mm. Um, That's probably why the Rebellion guys um, chose that image. And they, they've just they've nicked the, the central uh, you know, char- two characters um, from that image. Uh, and then superimposed it on the cover. Yeah, and you're as you say, every page has a strap line at the top of the title. Unearthly chaos at the film studios and other stuff. Yeah. And then um, after the the main story finishes, then you get the the two um, two annual stories. The oh, first of yes. which is a bit like an origin story for the. Um, doc- it is the origin story for the Mesmer character. You know, he's. Um, He's some dodgy archaeologist um, who gets into trouble, um, nicks the mummy, uh, and brings to life a different mummy that uh, helps him first, who is actually called Mesmer, the priest. That that comes to a sticky end, and then um, he takes on this new world at the end of it as Dr. Mesmer, and that's how he gets the story. And obviously in the annuals you get a bit more breathing yeah. space. You get six or seven pages. Yes. Yeah of story there and and the pages seem to be a little looser in terms of format yeah it's not so you know the images are there's less panels to a page in these annual pages um, and the story just flows a little bit differently you know it's it's not got that two page uh, beat to it Great, fantastic stuff. Uh, I'll mention from the front of the book, graphic design team, Oz Osborne, Sam Gretton and Gemma Sheldrake. Reprographics, Joseph Morgan, Emma Denton, uh, Richard Tustian, um, who again have done a marvellous job Mm. with what we guess is reproducing, obviously, from the comic page. I think they were saying that they they have some very good uh, um, scanning equipment and then they clean up the images. And what's really nice is the... The book is black and white, but there's a couple of... What would you call this colour? It's all amber or yeah. orangey yeah. end papers. And that's really... it. Just they've, they've sampled a couple of images, and it's just got that Tintin-esque, you know, her, her J books kind of picture. Three, three characters with a couple of word balloons. And then um, you've got the credits, and then there's a couple... There's a... On the back page, there's the mummy... Oh, Mummy from the Tomb, which is the the film in the early part of the story, and then a couple of other images from the the book. It's just very nicely done. Very nicely put together. Beautiful hardback. I mm. presume, as I say, the paperback must be nice as yeah. well. Yep. I'm just noticing you get a couple of, obviously, you get the creator bios at the back of the book. Yep. Carlos Cruz and Don Avenel, which I just noticed um, it says here that Don Avenel would work with uh, artist John Burns mm. on the comic book official comic book adaptation of Prince Charles and Lady Diana's Wedding. <laughs> I don't recall seeing that. I don't, I'm not familiar with that one at all, but there you go. But he also worked on um, newspaper strip AXA, uh, which I think is it Romero who did yes. um, who did Modesty Blaze. Right. So he did that without him. And there's another one, Eartha, which I think may have also been Romero. Axa is the sort of barbarian Barbarian woman heroine with the famous hair flicks, isn't she? Yeah. And and Rebellion Fleetway when they were 
pre-rebellion times did actually in one of these American style reproduction comics they had a couple of episodes of AXA I've not I've got one issue of the two right but I haven't um, read them yet okay so as we say um, the hardback's now out of print but the paperback is currently on special offer 899 yeah. Uh, eight ninety nine digital nine ninety nine. Um, it is, uh, as Chris says, it's a certainly uh, crazy comic idea, but beautiful artwork from Carlos Cruz. Worth it for the artwork and for the beautiful reproduction. Mm. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, we came up with it at short notice, but it is great fun. And of course, these wonderful collections that we're getting from the treasury. Yeah. We just lap them up, don't we? Yeah, no, um, I unfortunately have bought far too many of them. Yes, I know. And it takes up space. Um, but for years and years, we had a Darth. Yeah. There was no British reprints. And now we're, get, we're getting these fun things from the mind. I, I think Keith uh, Richards... And is probably uh, behind yes. some of these choices. Yes, Keith uh, is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's great to just bring these things back in volumes. And and when they're done in these hardbacks, they fit nicely on the shelf, and they're a great read. So, saying that we're buying a lot of stuff, a lot of collections, takes us to guest projects and the attic of Dare. So you've got this attic in your house, which is full of your yes. your things, your yes. collections. <laughs> Um, books, comics, uh, figures, toys, artwork. You've got artwork tucked around the house, I know. Yeah. How is the Attic of Dare going? Because obviously it's, it's about... Uh, it's, uh, it's almost reached its uh, maximum. Oh, is it? I, I think, um, yes, I'm going to have to stop <laughs> acquiring. Now, now yeah. one of the things that this podcast has introduced me to is obviously um, Battle Picture Weekly. Yeah. From IPC and quite a few of the sort of classic strips mm. from that have come up. There's a great big black hole in this podcast, mm. which is what we haven't done any Warlord yet. We're, no, we're very not. light on DC Thompson yeah. stuff. And of course, you, as you said, you administer the Warlord Facebook, Facebook group. group. Yeah. Tell us about that. What goes on there? Um, generally, um, it celebrates the work of Warlord, which came out from, lasted 627 issues from, I think it was September 74 to September, was it 86, uh, with some annuals later. And it's generally a celebration of people of a certain age who remember it from their childhood. And you get, um, there was a secret members club and you used to have your little um, wallet with uh your your secret uh, codes and welcome letter from Lord Peter Flint, one of the characters, um, and you people post. I remember this, and uh, generally it's it's a memory lane. And every time we we hit an auspicious moment, there's currently nearly two thousand three hundred members. Um, we'll post up a page, or as as recently happened when Thompson's announced that they were releasing certain um, uh, material through Comixology, the Amazon company. Um, somebody posted um, that, and that generates um, some interesting debates. You know, um, a lot of people are vocal about getting physical uh, copies, but you have to remember that Thompson's have to have the opportunity to try the market, and, and the Internet spreads wide and far. Mm-hmm. You know, 
it, it allows Thompsons to hit people with iPads in America and all sorts of markets. It's markets that they don't know, you know, haven't tried. And like I, I get um, to see the distribution of countries and we've got members all over the world because I think the way that Facebook works, it looks at um, members, groups, the groups that you're a member of, and then periodically will recommend pages. So I see no new requests for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then I'll get 200 people in a couple of wet days. So it's uh, it's quite interesting to see. And, you know, the statistics that you get out the back end of Facebook is quite interesting. So it's fantastic stuff. So just like Paul yeah. Trimble of yeah. this podcast yeah, he does. admins the Battlefans yeah. Facebook group, you do the Warlord yeah. Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes on okay, the website for this episode. Pop along and join in the yeah. fun. And we got we got people like Mike Dory as a member. We've got Callum Laird, who used to be the editor. Uh, Pete Weston, who was the first editor of um, the Warlord comic. Um, so you get... You get some interesting insights coming out of, um, you know, different people who were, in, you know, involved. Yeah, and as you say, DC Thompson are starting to dip their toe into the waters of collected editions. Yeah. They're doing digitals. Yeah. You and I both bought a hard copy of Spellbound, as yeah. we said today. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go in on the digitals and try and encourage them to do more. Yeah. yeah. And if people want to pick a DC Thompson. Uh, particularly a warlord strip to come mm. on the podcast and tell me about please do um, did it also lead you was that how you got to be moderating a couple of panels at Lawless this year yes so. yeah exactly because um, Colin Maxwell who writes for Commando asked uh, if I would uh, panel um, you know um, compare yeah. and uh, I took the opportunity up and had a go so that was Lawless in May of 22 yes, yeah. in your hometown of Bristol. Uh, yeah. And we'll be back again next May yep. in, uh, again in Bristol. Um, I think, is it going to be two days again? Two days again, yeah. yeah. I know Sue, behind the scenes, Sue Hadrill is beavering away, working out mm. all, you know, who's going to be there and what's going to be on. Might we see you doing more panels then, do you think? I don't know. It don't depends know. on okay. whether, whether I'm asked to help out. Excellent stuff. Well, so check out the Facebook group for yeah, Warlord. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Keep your eye out for what's happening at Lawless 23. Get hold of a copy of Dr. Mesmer's Revenge. Get hold of a copy of Spellbound yep. from DC Thompson in digital. Yep. Uh, or if you're lucky enough to snag a hard copy. Um, and yeah, just, you know, we've got to keep supporting these collections so that we get more of them. Brilliant, Simon. Anything else you need to add before we wrap up? Uh, no, thank you. Well, thank you very much to Simon for giving up his time at the end of a sort of busy thought bubble day. We're going to get ourselves sorted out now to go out for a drink or something to eat. Mm. Um, thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. Find all the links, including links to the Warlord Facebook group on megacitybookclub.com. Follow the podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, the 2080 forums, and email me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's from here in um, Harrogate. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. 